criminal defense lawyers might in most circumstances tell their clients not to take the witness stand. Here was one of those rare exceptions where it started to become clear that everyone would advise Sam to take the witness stand because it was basically the last shot that he had. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, November 2nd. Today, I'm joined by Eric Gardner to talk about the fraud trial against fallen crypto golden boy Sam Bankman-Fried, which saw closing arguments this week. Eric was in the courtroom for much of the trial and grades the prosecution and the defense, SBF's performance on the stand, and he looks at how much jail time SBF is facing if he's found guilty. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy thursday everybody welcome to the powers that be for the past four weeks jurors have been sitting in a new york courtroom hearing arguments in the fraud case against sam bankman free the fallen founder of the crypto exchange ftx i'm joined today by Eric Gardner, who's been in and out of the courtroom during this very dramatic trial with some very interesting courtroom sketches, by the way. Eric, how you doing, buddy? How's it going? Good. So, so Eric, just as a refresher for people listening who might not have been following every twist and turn in this trial, what is the case against Sam Bankman-Fried? What are prosecutors, in this case, the federal government, alleging against him? Sure. Well, they have brought a case uh, alleging wire fraud 
against him. Basically, that Sam Bankman-Fried was responsible for misrepresentations to investors, to, to banks, deceiving them about the purpose of loans and uh, the use of customer money on uh, FTX's platform. So basically, Sam Bankman-Fried is accused of telling them one thing and then basically doing something completely different. And, and so he's been on trial for the last uh, few weeks and prosecutors have been trying to show that he was conscious of these acts, that uh, he told congressmen and he told the public certain things. And, and while he was doing that, uh, he was leading this you know, nefarious life where he's, he was spending billions of dollars in other people's money on what essentially turned out to be bad bets and, and lost their money and doing the, the high-flying life while doing all this. And, you know, his, his defense says that basically he's being painted as a cartoon villain. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. he, he's there defending himself for, for all these representations that were made. I want to get into more of the defense strategy in a second. But, you know, you mentioned the prosecution. They flipped a number of former employees in the process, compiled a lot of evidence that they used in the trial. What in your mind of that evidence do you think was the most damning in this trial against SBF? Yeah, uh, the three particular executives at FTX that were flipped, uh, Caroline Ellison, Gary Wong, and Nasheed Singh, they all painted pretty damning portrayals of Sam, basically saying that that Sam directed them to commit crimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And they came and they had evidence that kind of backed up their assertions, communications with him and, and documents that basically showed that Sam was aware of what was going on, that customer funds from FTX were being used for Sam's trading platform, so trading crypto. And basically, despite the fact that everyone was told that these accounts were segregated, Mm -hmm. basically FTX was used as as Sam's personal piggy bank, you know, Mm -hmm. billions of dollars. And that's been essentially the big noose around Sam's neck to explain how that sort of thing happened. And, you know, the, the real damning portions of it are just documents that say this sort of thing. I think this is one of those cases where everyone pretty much agrees on the facts. It's just Mm -hmm. how you frame them. One element of the prosecution, uh, which was led by U.S. Assistant Attorney Danielle Sassoon, was SBF was, as we know, a attention fiend. He loved talking to the media. He loved schmoozing with, you know, politicians and famous people. And because of that, It sounded like he, according to the evidence presented by the prosecution, was saying one thing to one employee, something else to another employee, something else to a reporter, (laughs) something else on Twitter. I mean, how would you grade the prosecution's effort? I mean, how did they perform in this case? Closing arguments happened on Wednesday. I mean, now is the time to, to, you know, before there's a verdict, hear the Eric Mm -hmm. Gardner verdict on how the prosecution did. I think the prosecutors did an outstanding job. There's very little that I could see that they could have done better. They were pretty clear. They had a concise narrative. They flipped who they needed to flip. They uh, asked good questions, uh, and they they you know did a pretty withering cross of Sam when he went on on the witness stand. There's very very little that I would question with their presentation. Uh, this is one one of those cases that that I think that they deserve really really high marks. I'll take a quick break, Eric. When we come back, I want to ask you just how you think Sam Bankman-Fried did on that witness stand and how the defense strategy went. 
Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Eric Gardner, who's been covering the fraud trial of Sam Bankman-Fried. Before the break, Eric, you mentioned that SBF went on the stand. Just from me reading a bunch of news clips, it felt like at various times he was sort of impetuous and impatient, sort of like befits his personality. <laughs> um, did he ever, like, was there ever a chance that he wouldn't take the stand in his own defense? Because... I don't know. I'm not sure that was super helpful in his case. Well, let's let's just say in normal circumstances, most criminal defendant lawyers advise their clients not to take the witness stand. So there was always a chance. Now, knowing Sam as you know, we all do. I'm sure we all expected him to to get up there. But there was always a good chance that you know he would listen to his lawyers and and he wouldn't take the witness stand. But as this trial went along and it was pretty clear that that he was losing it, I think the calculus shifted and. And, you know, even though criminal defense lawyers might in most circumstances tell their clients not to take the witness stand, here was one of those rare exceptions where it started to become clear that everyone would advise Sam to take the witness stand because it was basically the last shot that he had. It was the Hail Mary at the end of the game when you're down six points and, the, and time is running out. So at that point, he had to do it. And, you know, for the, for the most part, I think he did okay especially mm-hmm. on direct examination uh he was able to you know tell uh the story about how he founded fdx and mm-hmm. that it wasn't intended to be some sort of criminal racket that it was like really interested in this innovative platform and everything like that it's just when it got to cross and of course at that point he had to 
take all these really, really tough questions and not only take tough questions, but also had to stand before past statements that he made. Because if you remember when FTX collapsed, he went on a little bit of a media tour. And that was something that all lawyers would have advised not to do. You know, most lawyers would say, you know, shut up, don't say a thing while you have (laughs) such criminal exposure. But he decided to, you know, appear with Andrew Ross Sorkin at a conference and go on uh, George Stephanopoulos's program on ABC uh-huh. and, and basically tell his story. And, and so the prosecutors were able to say, didn't you say this? Didn't you say that? And Sam's only response was, you know, I don't really recall. He said it like 120 times during during the cross. It was, it was incredible. He didn't remember taking a private jet to the Super Bowl less than two years ago. Who, who forgets a detail like that? Uh, and you could tell... <laughs> That, you know, part of this was a strategy. He just didn't want to get trapped into any area where he, he said he remembered something and, and then the prosecutors just lambasted him. But on the other hand, he came across as a bit evasive and all that. And so for, you know, his whole defense and trying to present this complicated portrait, it doesn't look good when you can't really get before the jury and tell the story. So... In the end, I, you know, I don't know, his whole uh, testimony on the witness stand will probably end up being a wash. I would not have forgotten a private jet to the Super Bowl to watch my Cincinnati Bengals, that's for sure. Hey, Eric, the defense's strategy sort of felt like it amounted to the claims are exaggerated here. Uh, he's being portrayed in the public and in the press is like a boogeyman, but he's not really like that bad of a guy. That doesn't feel like it passes the legal smell test in terms of a strong defense. Yeah, it's it's certainly not the strongest defense. I think really what his defense comes down to was that, you know, he's not a thief. He might be a gambler, but he's no thief. He might have hmm. taken risks, but uh, he wasn't intending to squirrel away with anyone's money, and he wasn't mm-hmm. really aware of the full depth of, of his trading firm's debts until the last very moment. And if it wasn't for the collapse of the crypto market in the middle of last year, the business would still be running. Nobody would know anything for that. And so mm-hmm. he's trying to present this kind of like nuanced, complicated portrait. And it's true that in, in these criminal fraud cases, you do have to show intent. So maybe Mm. there is some sort of sliver of hope there for for Mm. him. The problem is a couple fold. Number number one, this judge has really limited the defense in terms of what they can present. For for instance, one of the investments that he made with customer funds was the AI company Anthropic. And that investment alone is worth a ton of money. And a lot of, a lot of the money that was taken actually will end up being paid back to a lot of these customers, but it doesn't really matter for the purpose of whether he had the right to take the money, to use the money in the first place. You know, he he makes the the case that, you know, the terms of service for FTX, you know, allowed margin trading and allowed these deaths. The problem is that he went a little too far and he really didn't really have any good answers for a lot of these things. So in the end, it's, it's a real tough defense. He's trying to really squirrel in in very tight windows here. So as I said, closing arguments were on Wednesday. Eric, how long do you think this deliberation process is going to take? What is he facing in terms of time in jail? And then do you think whatever happens, 
SBF will appeal the decision? Yeah. So today the the judge will read the instructions to the jury. will tell them, you know, what they should consider, how they should think of these these crimes and everything like that. And then the the jury will begin deliberating. Uh, there's no telling how long it could go. It could go as little as one minute. <laughs> you know, the initial vote when they get in the in the jury room, or it can go days. It could go weeks even. Uh, usually, if you know the jury comes back pretty quickly, it's a bad sign for the defendant. If it goes longer and longer that you know that might be a good good sign that there's some you know dissension there one should remember that a unanimous jury has to convict him so if there's just one person on the uh, on the jury who has a reasonable doubt uh it could be a hung jury and that's mm-hmm. certainly possible it's very very hard to predict uh what 12 people are going to do unanimously for basically anything in this wake of life so certainly he has a shot if he is convicted, he faces substantial time, dozens of years. That's based on sentencing guidelines, and and the sentencing guidelines take in, into account stuff like how much money was stolen, and we're talking, you know, billions of dollars here, and so mm-hmm. so there's a huge amount of time in these sentencing guidelines. That and and the fact that Judge Kaplan has watched this unfold and he probably does not have a particularly favorable view of the defendant at this point so you know mm-hmm. he might have some discretion about whether or not the sentences should run concurrently or not if he's convicted on multiple crimes but i would suspect that he faces a lot of time in prison and Certainly, there will be a lot of appeals after this. I expect there to be appeals on a lot of Judge Kaplan's pretrial rulings, limiting the evidence that could be presented, some of the arguments about how to define fraud, and even stuff that went on in, in trial, uh, whether he got effective counsel or not, could be you know part of the, the appeal process. So this stuff is going to happen for many years. And let's not also forget that there's another trial scheduled for, for Sam Beckman-Fried. Uh, that's uh, s- some of the stuff that's connected to his political uh, f- uh, giving. And th- that trial is going to take place, or at least it's scheduled to take place. There's a little doubt in my mind about whether it'll actually happen, but that's supposed to take place in March. And that's a really interesting one because that one gets into the weeds of American politics. And we might see a lot of, you know, uh, brand name politicians mentioned in election year. Uh, so that will be fascinating in and of itself. It absolutely will. The literal intersection of Silicon Valley, Hollywood, <laughs> media, politics, SBF courtroom is ground zero for puck interests. Eric, thank you for being there for us and thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.